divine, amazing love that brought to earth from heaven above the Son of God for us to die that we might Love. 
God. Aren't you thankful for the cross tonight? Man, where would we be had it not been for the cross? Had it not been for Calvary? Had it not been for Jesus? Tell you what, we'd all be in a mess, wouldn't we? We'd all be in trouble. But thanks to Calvary, here we are. We are not what we used to be anymore. And uh, although we are not everything we are going to be, we are not what we used to be. Amen. I'm glad to be saved, and uh, I've grown up in church, and so my uh, my uh, resume for sin is probably, uh, I mean, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's pretty bad. But uh, the same grace it took to save the, the vilest of sinners is the same grace it took to save me on a church pew many years ago. And I'm so thankful that Jesus saved me. I'm so glad to be a child of God tonight. I'm so glad that I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I'll never have to worry uh, about what is on tomorrow because I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand. I'd like to say thank you so much uh, to the Friendship Baptist 
Baptist Church for everything y'all have done. Y'all have been so kind. You've been so good to us. And I tell you what, we are undeserving of it, but we thank you so much for your graciousness. We have enjoyed ourselves these days, and uh, I hope that the Lord will allow us to come back. And uh, man, I tell you what, we love this place. We love your preacher. I've enjoyed getting to fellowship with your pastor and uh, get to know him. And all the conversations we've had with the members here, uh, we've enjoyed that as well. So thank you so much for everything. The nice place to stay, the wonderful food to eat, just everything. And that makes uh, uh, the message that I'm about to preach a little bit harder to preach, to be honest with you. I I don't want to do this, Um, but uh, I've not... I've not pre- been preaching for very long. I've only been preaching for 10 or 12 years or so. And, uh, I, but I do know enough to know that when God lays something on your heart, you might as well just do it. And uh, this may be a total train wreck, but we'll be, we'll, it'll be a train wreck for Jesus. Amen. 1 Kings chapter number 1 tonight. 1 Kings chapter number 1. I'm so honored to be able to preach tonight. I just thank you for the opportunity. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the Lord is going to do in days ahead with the Friendship Baptist Church. I'll tell you what, friendship is, is, the, is the perfect word for this place. Because uh, we come in here, man, just friendly people. So thank you all very much. I won't, I won't carry on too much longer. But the first, first Kings chapter number 1. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. And uh, read on down through verse number 8. This is what the Bible says. Now King David was old and strict in years and they covered him with clothes but he got no heat wherefore his servant said unto him let there be sought for my lord the king a young virgin and let her stand before the king let her cherish him and let her lie in thy bosom that my lord the king may get heat so they sought for a fair damsel and throughout all the coast of Israel and found Abishag a Shunammite and brought her to the king. The damsel was very fair and cherished the king and ministered to him. But the king knew her not. Then Adonijah the son of Haggith exalted himself saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why hast thou done so? And he also was a very goodly man. And his mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab the son of Zeruiah and with Abiathar the priest. And they following Adonijah helped him. But Zadok the priest, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan the prophet, and Shimei, and Rai, and the mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for, Lord, your presence that's been felt in the service this far. Lord, in the entire meeting, I feel like you've met with us. and Lord, you've, you've met with me in my heart. and You helped me through the preaching of your word. Lord, you helped me tonight to, to, to have more of a burden for the lost. And I pray that you'd help each of us to have that. God, I pray that you'd use me now as we preach. And Lord, help my heart to be pure. Help my mind to be clear. And help my words to be sure tonight. Lord, help me not to stumble, but Lord, Help me through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to speak the truth in love and, Lord, to present the message that you've laid definitely upon our heart. God, I pray that if there's somebody here tonight, Lord, if they don't know you for sure as their Savior, I pray that tonight they would get saved. And, Lord, that's our desire to see people saved and to see the church edified and you to be magnified. And we ask all these things, Lord, as, as a child in need of, their, of help from their Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. 
First Kings opens uh, with the condition of the king of Israel. Uh, we are used to seeing King David as the mighty champion, as the leader of the nation of Israel. His 40-year reign is coming to a close. And we find that the warrior and great leader that we have known David to be is not the man that we find in the first several verses of our text. We find a man who the Bible describes as stricken in years. That word stricken, it means of a great age or advanced in years. David has become an old man on the throne. David is sick. The Bible says at the end of verse number 1 that he got no heat. He is cold. They cover him with blankets and he can get no heat. He's cold all of the time. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I came to Myrtle Beach thinking that we are going to have vacation. I brought my coat, uh, but I didn't think I'd need it until I stepped outside and I found out just how cold it can get in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, but uh, I can almost identify with David a little bit on that point because I've been like an old man. I've been cold all the time. I'm just teasing. But David, that is the condition that David is in. He is in need of assistance. They have to search for someone in their country that will cherish the king and minister to the king. Someone that will help him with anything that he needs because he does not have the strength nor the stamina to do that on his own. We find the condition of the king. We also find the conspiracy against the king. There is a rebellion that rises up in verse number 5 and verse number 6. It's a defiant conspiracy. The Bible tells us that Adonijah the son of Haggith exalted himself saying, I will be the king. This is, a, this, is a, this is out of a heart of rebellion. This is out of a heart that is just, that is just desiring to be the leader, desiring to be the ruler, someone that has never been told no. The Bible tells us in verse number uh, verse number 6, he has never been displeased by his father. This is someone that is egotistical and arrogant. He is not only rebelling against the king that occupies the throne, a good king, a godly king. This is not a tyrant. This is not a righteous rebellion that they have. This is not someone that they are trying to overthrow because he is a dictator and a butcher to his people. This is just out of a heart of rebellion that desires to sit on that throne that his father is sitting on. And then this is not only is he rebelling against the king, but he is also stealing from the king. You see, that throne does not belong to him. That throne is not rightfully his. The king that is sitting on the throne gets to say who it belongs to. And Adonijah is not that man. He is stealing the king from the person that is next in line to inherit the throne. This is a defiant conspiracy. It's a developed conspiracy. This is not something that he just thought of yesterday. This is something that has been planned. The Bible even lays out for us in verse number 5 that he had prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. But this is, this is a duplicated conspiracy. You see, Adonijah is not the first person to do this. Adonijah is not even the first son of the king to do this. Adonijah is not even the first son of his mother to do this. The Bible tells us just at the end of verse number 6 that his mother bare him after Absalom. Absalom, we are familiar with the rebellion that he rose up in the book of 2 Samuel. This is not even the first son to rebel against the king. And his plan is identical to the plan that Absalom had. If you were to look in the book of 2 Samuel in chapter 15, you'll find these words written about 
Absalom's conspiracy. The Bible says, and it came to pass after this, that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. It's, you laid you them side by side. It's the exact same plan. And Adonijah, for some reason, is expecting a different result. Uh, what, is that? what is that? The definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Adonijah is following in the footsteps of his rebellious brother and expecting a different result. He thought that his plan was original, but it was not. He thought that his plan would be successful, but it was not. He thought that his plan would liberate him from being under the control and the rule of another person but it did not he thought that his plan would bring him joy and happiness and a sense of belonging or meaning but it did not 1 Kings chapter number 2 verse number 24 through verse number 25 tells us exactly how this rebellion ends this is what the Bible says, Solomon speaking, Now therefore, as the Lord liveth which hath established me, and set me on the throne of David my father, and who hath made me and my house, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. And King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he fell upon him that he died. This conspiracy that Adonijah has concocted in chapter number 1 has brought him to an end to die the death of a treason, to die the death of a rebel. And then we also find not only there's a conspiracy against the king, <clears throat> but there are those who are committed to the king. Verse number 8, we find a list of names and I'll run through these very quickly because I want to get into the message as quick as I can. I don't expect to be nearly as long as my brothers have been preaching tonight, but uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this introduction. Uh, there's a list of names, men, that did not follow after Adonijah in this rebellion. The Bible tells us in verse number 8, Zadok the priest, he's a man of prayer. Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, a man of power. Nathan the prophet, a man of preaching. Shimei, whose name means renowned or famous, is a man of position. Rei, who's mentioned only one time in the Word of God. Here is where his name is found. And his name, it means simply friendly. This is an unassuming, is a plain man. It's an unassuming man, but he was faithful to the king. But then there are men who, men who are planted. The mighty men, the Bible says, which belonged to David. That word belonged to be included, be classified or categorized with. These men identify with David. David is their king and David their king, those are his men. These men aren't going anywhere. These men, have, they've dug their heels into the dirt. They're not going to be running off with, with no rebellion. They're going to stay right beside the king. And in a day and hour which we are living in, where people are throwing in the towel and people are jumping ship on God, I want to be like one of these men where I dig in my heels and say, I'm staying with the king. It doesn't matter how bad it looks. It doesn't matter how bad the world gets. It doesn't matter how many naysayers come along and say, you're not doing it right. You ought to take Baptist. Hell, you ought to take Baptist off your sign. You ought to, you ought to stop using that old king James Version. You ought to stop using that traditional kind of music. I want to be one of those that dig in right here and stay in the way that I've been raised in. That stay next to the king. Be committed. Be committed to the king this season. <clears throat> These are men that are planted. They belong to David. 
There are lessons in our text that we can see that, that, are just, that jump right out off the page for us. There's, an, there's a lesson in being affectionate, verse number 3 through verse number 4. This young lady by the name of Abishag, she, the king needed someone to, to cherish him, and Abishag cherished the king. The king needed someone who would minister to the king, so she ministered to the king. The king needed someone to assist him, and so she decided, you know what, I'll, I'll assist the king. She loves the king. She's loyal to the king. She is living for the king. Young Abishag surrendered her future. She, she, she surrendered her dreams. She surrendered her prospects. She surrendered her entire... She didn't know how long the king's going to live, but you know what she's going to do? As long as the king's here, I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to do everything I can to be a comfort and be a help and be a blessing to the King. It's a lesson in being affectionate. There's a lesson in being arrogant in verse number 5. See, uh, Adonijah, the Bible says, he exalts himself. He forgets the lesson in Luke chapter 14 where the Bible says that whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. Whosoever humbleth himself, they shall be exalted. We find his fate. He dies the death of a rebel. He dies the death of a traitor. Underneath, underneath these characters that we find that as we have studied the life of David, we are not overly familiar with Adonijah. We're not overly familiar with Abishag. But underneath all of these main characters, there is a man whose name sticks out that you will probably be familiar with if you study the life of David. And he gives us a different lesson. There's a lesson in being affectionate. There's a lesson in being, uh, there's a lesson in being arrogant. But then if you look in verse number 7, the Bible says, And he, Adonijah, conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah. Joab teaches us a lesson on being artificial. Joab's profession is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 6. Don't turn there, but listen. The Bible says, And David said, Whosoever smiteth the Jebusites shall be, shall be the chief and captain. So Joab, the son of Zeruiah, went up first and was chief. This Joab is the captain of the host of the armies of David. This Joab is someone that has worked side by side with David for almost the entire 40 years of his reign. Joab is a patriot. He is a man of war. He's a defender of his country. Notice Joab's position. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was over the host, the chief captain of the armies of King David. Here is where Joab's problem is. Joab's problem is found in his priorities. Though we cannot say a lot for Joab's loyalty, we can say one thing, that Joab was a man who loved something. And surely if we look at the track record of Joab, and if we were to study over the, over the, uh, the things that had happened to Joab and the encounters that he had, we would find that Joab certainly did love his country. You do not fight for something. You do not defend something the way that Joab did without loving that thing. Joab was a man who loved his position. Joab was a man who loved his profession. Joab loved the kingdom of Israel. 
Joab did not fight for the nation the way he did because he did not love it. Joab loved Israel. And if you were to look at the condition of King David in chapter number 1, you might even be able to even sympathize with Joab on why he went with Adonijah. Because the king is in no physical condition to rule his nation the way that he once did. And so if you think about it, Joab is looking out for the nation. You see, here's, here's, here's Joab's problem. This is the title of the message for just a few moments. Joab loved the kingdom, but Joab did not love the king. And tonight I want to preach on this simple thought, loving the kingdom without loving the king. Joab's devotion to the kingdom and his disdain for the king are seen in these three simple thoughts tonight. Number one, we find Joab's desertion. Joab abandons the king that he has been serving for years and years and years. It's seen in his following. Look at verse number 7. And he conferred with Joab. Look at the progression. I love this. Look at the progression that takes place in Joab's life. Verse number 7. And he, Adonijah, conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah. It begins with a conversation. And then it moves, the Bible says, and they following him. This is moved from a conversation to Joab's consideration. Then the Bible says at the end of verse number 7, they helped him. So this conversation that Joab has with Adonijah leads him to consider the rebellion that Adonijah presents to him. And then it moves to Joab cooperating with the rebellion. You know, the devil has not changed his tactics tonight. The devil has not altered the way that he manipulates and tries to entice people. He, does not, he has not changed the way he's tried to get into the church and disrupt the unity of the church. The Bible says in Romans chapter 16 and verse number 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Do you know why it says that in Romans chapter number 16? It's because God knows that if you lend an ear towards somebody that's outside of this church that has problems with the doctrine of this church that has problems with the pastor of this church that has problems with the way that this church does things if you lend your ear you'll have a conversation that will lead to your consideration that will eventually lead to your cooperation that's why we are to avoid those that cause division we are to avoid those that have contrary doctrine to the doctrine that we hold by in our church. His following. The progression. we got to be very careful about that tonight. Because there are, pe- there are people that the devil has... I don't even know if it's the devil or the flesh or the world or what it is. But the end of the adversary has people. They are trying to influence you and they are trying to influence your family and pull you out of this church. That's what the devil... The devil don't want to see this thing go on. The devil don't want to see you win pe- people to Jesus. He don't want to see them buses keep rolling. He don't want to see you keep mailing out those mailers. He don't want to see this church grow. The devil's desires that this church fall tonight. We got to be very careful about who we associate with tonight. We got to be very careful about who we allow to have a conversation with us. Because if we even lend an ear tonight, 
we may eventually end up cooperating with that mess. Seen in his his desertion, is seen in his following, it's seen in his fellowship. If you look down to verses number eighteen through verse number twenty, Adonijah he throws a party. He has the Bible says that he has slain oxen and fat cattle and sheep in abundance, and he hath called the sons of the king and Abiathar the priest and Joab the captain of the host. At this point. Adonijah is a known rebel. At this point, Adonijah has made his plan abundantly clear. And Joab is seen in fellowship with him. I'm not talking about being mean to people. I'm not talking about being rude to people. But I am talking about obeying the Bible tonight. I'm talking about avoiding people that would cause rebellion. That try to stir up problems and stir up troubles tonight. There's a movement in this. There's a movement in this day and hour. It's on social. Uh, it's on social media. And here's the thing about social media: uh, Twitter is not real. Facebook is not real. Those are fake. This is real. What we are doing right now, this is real. Sometimes we get sucked into this social media lifestyle and we think that we have to, we, we become slave to whatever is on that social media and, and whoever is, is the most popular, whatever is the most famous thing going right now, we become slave to that. Let me tell you something, that don't matter to a hill of beans in eternity. What we're doing right here is what counts. When, when Jesus comes again and we stand at the, at the judgment seat of Christ, this is what is going to count. You won't give account. Listen, you won't give account for all the people that shared your I love Jesus tweet. You're not going to give account for all the people that shared your Jesus loves me uh, post on Facebook. What you will give an account for is how many tracks you handed out. What you will give an account for is how many times that you listened to the Holy Spirit of God when He said you need to go witness to that person. This is real. What we're doing right here is real. And there's a movement in social media today. There's a movement on that internet today that is attempting to disrupt what we have believed and what we have been and stood for for years. They want us to rebrand. They want us to reconsider. They want us to change who we are and what we are because maybe somebody in our movement that claimed to be what we are but isn't did something stupid years ago because they're flesh and they're, they're, they're sinful just like the rest of us are. People have bled and died because of the name Baptist tonight. People have bled and died for a king. Nobody ever died for the NIV. Nobody ever died for the ESV. But I'm going to tell you, there's been, a, there's been a lot of bloodshed for the King James Bible tonight. There's been a lot of bloodshed for the book we hold in our hand. And I'm just not so willing to change on it all of a sudden. I, don't want, I just don't want to do that tonight. I just, don't, I just don't want to be linked up with that. I don't want to be linked up with that tonight. It's fine in his desertion. It's his, his following, his fellowship. We see it in his fidelity. See, he's, he's removed himself from being faithful to David. And he has become faithful to Adonijah. His, his faithfulness has changed. Job's desertion. Number two, very quickly. Not only do we find loving the kingdom without loving the king in Joab's desertion, but we find it in Joab's deception. Now, now stay with me here. There's, I put in, I put in a, 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 few, a few hours of studying the life of Joab to put this together. So I want you to follow me. I don't want to be confusing. I want to be clear with what I'm about to say. There is a supposition about Joab. 
And that supposition is that Joab is a servant of David. In fact, if you look in 2 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 22, Joab even says that he is a servant of David. This is what the Bible says. And Joab fell to the ground on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today thy servant knoweth that I have found grace in the sight of my Lord, O king, and that the king hath fulfilled the request of his servant. So Joab claims to be a servant of the king. If you look at the life of 1 Kings chapter 1 was in the Bible, you look at the track record that Joab has. Joab stayed with the king in 1 Samuel chapter 26. Joab was with David before David was even anointed king. Uh, not anointed, but before, da- before Saul was removed from the throne. And David became the king of Israel. Joab was with David. Joab fought for the king in 2 Samuel chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 10. We find details of battles that Joab fought for David. He fought for the king. He commanded for the king. 2 Samuel chapter number 11, verse number 1, the Bible says, It came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab. Joab covered for the king. The sin that takes place in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses number 14 through verse number 24, when David has that ungodly relationship with Bathsheba, Joab is one of the first people to know all about it. And the command that David gives to put Uriah in the forefront of the battle and then retire from him, Joab reads that command. He reads that letter and he performs what David asked him to do. So if you look at David, or excuse me, if you look at Joab, you would think that Joab is a servant of King David. But there is not just a supposition about the deception of Joab. There is a separation in the deception of Joab. 2 Samuel chapter 23 and 1 Chronicles chapter number 11 list for us what are David's mighty men. The men that fought for David. The men that were faithful to David. The men that bled and the men that would die. The men that would give up everything they own and everything they have for their king. They would die for him. They lived for him. They'd do anything for him. You know whose name you will not find in those chapters? You'll find, you'll find the name Joab, but you will not find him listed as a mighty man. You'll find his brothers listed as mighty men. His brother, his brother Abishai, the brother of Joab, he's a mighty man. Asahel, the other brother of Joab, he is a mighty man. But do you know not one time in this Bible... Does it record that Joab was a servant of the king? Joab said he was a servant. But Joab's a liar. That's evidenced in 1 Kings chapter number 1. But it's never recorded in the book tonight that Joab was a servant. You can say you're a servant all you want to. 
You can say that you are a servant of the King or you are a servant of God. But if your name is not recorded in the book tonight, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the list of accomplishments that Joab has on his resume. His name is not in the book tonight. Joab loved the kingdom, but Joab didn't have no relationship with the king. Joab, look at this. Look at verse number 8 of our text, 1 Kings chapter 1. The mighty men which belonged to David. That's not Joab tonight. That's not Joab. Joab fancies himself a servant, but Joab is a serpent. He claims, he makes the claim of being a servant, but his name is not recorded in the book. Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 20. Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then shall I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me ye that work iniquity. The name's not in the book tonight. You see Joab's problem was not an infidelity issue. It was an identity issue. Joab never even belonged to King David to start with. Joab if Joab were to go before the king, you know what his words, the king's words would be? Depart, I never knew you. Tonight we have a lot of people in our churches, and I'm not saying that it's this way here, but I would be foolish to think in a crowd this size that there might not be somebody here. Man, you love church. You love the social experience that church is. You love being around people. You love singing. You love the emotional high that you get by being around God's people. You love the kingdom. But do you love the king tonight? What is your relationship with the king like? Are you, are you saved tonight? Are you born again? Is your name in the book? Is your name recorded in the book? Revelation chapter 20 verse number 11 And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them and I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Yeah, Joab might have loved the king, the kingdom, but Joab didn't love the king. Joab didn't belong to the king. We can move over to chapter number two. You will find not only Joab's desertion, you will not only see Joab's deception. But in chapter number 2, we find Joab's destruction. 
In the final words of King David, he is leaving his son, his successor, some instructions and final words. In the last words of King David, David has nothing good to say about Joab. Look at verse number 5. 1 Kings chapter 2. I've not been too long. Can, 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 we, just, can we just go through this real quickly? 1 Kings chapter number 2. Look, look at verse number 5. Moreover, thou knowest also, David speaking, Moreover, thou knowest also what Joab the son of Zeruiah did to me, and what he did to the two captains of the host of Israel, unto Abner the son of Ner, and to Amasa the son of Jether, whom he slew, and shed the blood of war in peace, and put the blood of war upon his girdle that was about his loins, and in his shoes that were on his feet. Do therefore according to thy wisdom, and let not his forehead go down to the grave in peace. What some strong words from somebody that you served for almost 40 years. But you know why David could speak those words? Because Joab did not belong to him. Joab is left despised. The king has nothing good to say about him. There's no reward, there's no renown, there's no recognition. He's left destitute, he has no family, no fortune, no fame. And eventually Joab is destroyed. 1 Kings chapter number 2. Look with me, verse 28. 28. I know it's a lot of turning, but I just want you to see it so you know I'm not making this up. This is a real historic account. This is a real story. This happened. Verse 28. Then tidings came to Joab. For Joab had turned after Adonijah, though he turned not after Absalom. And Joab fled under the tabernacle of the Lord and caught hold on the horns of the altar. He caught hold on the horns of the altar. Look in verse number 31. And the king said unto him, This is Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, that the king is speaking to. Do as he said and fall upon him. Bury him, that thou mayest take away the innocent blood which Joab shed from me, from me and from the house of my father. Joab comes to the end of his life. Joab comes to the end. And you know what he's hanging on to? The horns of the altar. You know, holding on to religion ain't going to help you when you stand before the king. You have this life and this life only to prepare for eternity. You have this life and this life only to accept the gift that God has given in His Son, Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who your mom and daddy is. It doesn't matter if you grew up on the mission field or you grew up in a pastor's home or you grew up in a church pew or if you, if you grew up on the street somewhere. The only way you're getting in is if your name is in that book. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And you might be, you might be fooling everybody else tonight. Please, no, I'm not trying to be mean. You might be fooling everybody else tonight, but you're not fooling the king. You're not fooling the king. Here's the application, and I'm done. The application is, Joab did not belong to David. Joab was lost. And Joab died and is condemned to hell. Because Joab pretended to be something that he was not. Are you here tonight? Have you been sitting on church pew for so long that you think that you've done enough to get into heaven? 
without coming by way of the cross? What's the condition of your soul tonight? Have you been born again? You might love the kingdom, but do you love the king? Do you have a relationship with the king? Application number two. Maybe tonight you're here and you're so consumed with the work of the kingdom. You're so consumed with doing and serving that you have forgotten to love the king. You know how easy it is to be doing the right thing for the wrong reason? Man, we get so wrapped up in other people's issues. We get so wrapped up in the burdens and the cares. And I'm telling you, living for Jesus, don't get me wrong, living for Jesus is the best thing you could ever do. It's the best life you could ever live. There are no regrets for living for Jesus. I'm telling you, the burden that it is to be in the ministry, sometimes we get so distracted by the busyness of the ministry that we forget that we forget what it's really all about. It's about Him. In conclusion, I'll say this. When you lose or when you forsake the king, you lose the king's passion. What is the king's passion? This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Matthew chapter 1. The angel speaking to Mary and says, speaking unto Joseph, and he says, And she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die, but God commended his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. When we stop loving the king and we get too consumed with the work of the kingdom, we lose the reality that if we don't reach lost people with the gospel, they're going to die and go to hell. I was speaking to our teenagers this last Sunday and we were talking about the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. We began to discuss, discuss the adversary. And one of the things that I wanted to make a point to tell them, because the teenagers in our church, pretty much every single one of them have grown up in that church. They've all been there for like 10 plus years. Bible Baptist Church is all they've known. And we preach against the wickedness of this world. We preach the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. One of the things that I wanted to make sure that they knew, and I'm sure that they do, but I wanted to reiterate it just, and I'll reiterate it to you tonight, that we are angry with the wickedness of this world. God is angry with the wickedness of this world. But we are to love people. People are not our enemy. People are not our adversary. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And when you lose your relationship with the king and just get wrapped up in the kingdom, maybe building your own kingdom, you lose the heartbeat of Jesus tonight. You lose the passion of the king. You also lose the king's power. We can't do what we must do without the power of the Holy Spirit of God. 
We must have His power and His strength. But when you don't have a relationship with Him, you lose that touch. You lose the King's passion. You lose the King's power. But then you lose the King personally. Read two, read two portions of Scripture. And I'm done. Under the, under the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience, how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Luke in chapter number 10. Jesus comes to Bethany and the Bible says that there is a woman there whose name is Martha. And she welcomes the Lord into her house. Martha begins to busy herself with preparing a meal for the Lord. But Mary, Mary just goes straight to the feet of Jesus. The Bible says, And Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to Him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Where's your heart at tonight, church? And I, I think I can say with a fair bit of authority and, and assurance, I guess is, better, is the word better for it, that your heart's in the right place. But isn't it good to always be reminded that we, we cannot forget. We cannot get so wrapped up in the kingdom that we forget about the king. Maybe tonight you're here. Maybe tonight you're here and you're not saved. Maybe you've been trusting in what mom and dad have done. Maybe you've been trusting in what husband or wife has done. Maybe you've been trusting in what grandpa or grandma did. I don't know. But it's time to get it settled tonight. And the Holy Spirit is knocking on some doors. And I pray that you'll do business with God. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your word. I pray that you'd help us to respond accordingly in Jesus' name. Amen.